We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And y'all thought you were y'all thought you were getting through the week without an episode of Striking Gold, didn't you? Ah, think again, bitch. Anyways, um, welcome. What's up, everybody? How you doing? Sorry, I'm just feeling a little eccentric today. Thought I'd throw that in there. Um, 49ers stuff continues to roll along. Not a whole lot of 49ers stuff going on. I mean, the last time we were here since then, not necessarily in 49ers land, but the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And of course, it was all because of the officials and the fact that they shouldn't have let players play. And despite the fact that it was a pretty obvious hold on one Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, I don't know, man. I, 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 I have come to the point of my NFL... Patience levels that the moment people start seriously just up in arms about officiating calls. And, and the the part I hate most, and my buddy Kyle Madsen over at Candlestick Chronicles handled this the best on Twitter. It's just when people start saying, you can't, you can't call that right then. And I, every time, and I've always thought exactly what Kyle says. I don't know. When how often Kyle's tweeting, but I'm scrolling down his Twitter right now to see what he tweeted on the matter. Uh, yeah, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle tweets a lot, but I'm hoping to get there before um, before I finish talking right now because Kyle summed it up brilliantly. And it's like, at what point of a football game does it be just just become a free for all because refs are not allowed to call things? Okay, so here it is, Emmanuel Acho, of course, the dude just will say absolutely whatever to get people to talk about him. It's getting old at this point. Um, But Kyle said, so inside of five minutes in a one-score game, we just turn it into the purge and all penalties should be legal. Where's the line? What constitutes a hold worth calling and a hold not worth calling? Is illegal contact okay? How much illegal contact? What about PI? 
It's the dumbest discussion. Defenders held and defender held and impeded the wide receiver's progress. That's on the defender, not on the official for officiating the game. Bradbury could have just let Juju cook him and allowed a touchdown just as easily as the ref could have pocketed the flag. This is all so dumb. I lean way more towards fewer flags and more flags, but like when a hold happens and it gets called, it's hard to blame the guy whose job it is to call the hold. And I, of, of course, I agree with Kyle. I, and it's not because the Eagles lost. Uh, you know, anybody in the back of their mind was probably, or maybe in the front of your mind, uh, was hoping that the Eagles weren't going to be the one to, to win that one. And I thought I think a little bit of karma came whipping around like it usually does. Uh, you know, I just saw a lot of Eagles uh, fans and a lot of Eagles media say really dumb things throughout the last couple of weeks in reference to the 49ers. So I didn't really feel that bad when the game fell away from them. Um, and again, if you're going to commit a penalty and it gets called, it should be called at any point in the game. You know, the 49ers would wholeheartedly agree with me, especially after Crabtree was held in the end zone. Um, in the Super Bowl against the Ravens. So I just, I have no patience for anybody that starts uttering the phrases, you can't call that right then. Like, you have to be able to call it at any time. Otherwise, a player knows that he can get away with so much more in a situation like that. And it becomes these blatant penalties will define the game rather than somebody trying to officiate them. Because we all know that players will, if you give them an inch, they will take a mile until you force them to obey the rules, and that's what happened. And even James Bradbury, Bradbury, excuse me, after the game said, yeah, I held him. I just was hoping the ref wouldn't call it. So it's like, what are we doing here? Stop acting like that call to find the game. Your star-studded defense, and, and the Eagles' defense is very good, gave up, what, 38 points, whatever that the end score was. Um, so, it, you know, it's it's just not that complicated. You know, if in the end, it you got to put yourself in a position to where that call might not really define the game or doesn't matter. You know, you've got to build up a big enough lead to where, you know, the Eagles decided to kick a field goal at fourth and three when they had just gone for it on like fourth and six earlier that drive and got it easily. But then they kick a field goal late in the game to go up by six points. And the moment you do that, everybody and the, their mom, especially Kelsey's mom, uh, because she was all the only mom everybody was talking about, is realizes, okay, cool, you just went up by six points against Patrick Mahomes. So uh, I'm not sure that was really helping you at all. So there were so many different things that led to that game being that game. In the end, the biggest tip of the cap has to go to Patrick Mahomes for playing like Patrick Mahomes with a bum ankle. And you could see it was bum, and the dude was still running his ass off. He was probably on some incredible pain medication, but that doesn't matter. Um, it was a great game. I thought it was a good game. Uh, not very, not a very defensive game. Um, would the 49ers have been able to beat the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in that fashion? You know, the, could they have beaten that Chiefs team? Yes. Uh, you know, I would think so. But the last time they played them, they got kind of throttled. At least in the fourth quarter, they got throttled. And that's when games are won and lost. The witching hour, when losses become wins and wins become losses. I absolutely love NFL Red Zone. I miss it. Anyways. So, uh, and then obviously you have, it's, I, I have to mention the stupid ass <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster posting a Valentine's Day card with James Bradbury's face on him saying, I'll hold you when it matters most. And then out of, out of left field, now I guess not left field, front and center, here comes AJ Brown. You know, if you didn't see these tweets, you got to see them. They're both on my Twitter page. I'm not tweeting a whole lot, a lot right now, so they're up top. 
But A.J. Brown comes out of nowhere and says, first off, congratulations, y'all deserve it, but this is lame. You was on your way out of the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one-year deal, TikTok boy. He admitted that he grabbed you, but don't act like you're like that or ever was, but congratulations again. Like, for a man in, in A.J. Brown's position, you know, obviously the loser in a tough spot to come out of left field, and uh, I said left field again, but, you know, he's just defending his boy. Um, I mean, that was that was well executed. You know, again, I have no sympathy for the Eagles and everybody that was surrounding them after all the dumb shit I had to read over the last couple of weeks. But that was well done. That was well done. I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod, but one of the dumbest things I saw during that two week span was an Eagles fan saying that 49ers fans shouldn't complain because the Eagles won a Super Bowl with their backup quarterback. Did I mention that on the pod? I don't know. I wish I could hear you guys' answers right now, but. I'm like, okay, cool. But before that, imagine losing that backup quarterback and then and then losing another quarterback. And, and oh, wait a minute, and then losing another quarterback. And it was like, it's like, and it of course, it got a lot of traction on social media. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with, the, with what the 49ers went through. Like, it's dumb. And then obviously you had the, oh, well, you don't want your quarterback to get hurt? Then protect your quarterback. I'm like, dude, quarterbacks get sacked a thousand times a season and don't get hurt like it's just that doesn't change the insanely bad luck but anyways we don't need to rehash that we're moving on not a whole lot going on right now in 49ers land there's not really necessarily anything to sit here and jaw on about obviously we're getting into the off season where where i'm gonna have to put in a little bit of extra legwork to create my own content um as for now the 49ers hired a new top offensive official likely a passing game type coordinator um, and Clint Kubiak, another Kubiak added to the staff. Clay is also on the staff as uh, the 49ers uh, assistant quarterback coach. Um, and, you know, last time we saw Kubiak, he was with the Vikings as their offensive coordinator in 2021. Um, he was their qu- quarterback, spent some time as their quarterback coach. Kyle Shanahan's probably going to ask him how Kurt's doing, um, ask him if maybe he wants to come play quarterback for the 49ers. I'm just kidding. I think that bridge, uh, I think we officially crossed it. Um, last year, he was the passing game coordinator for the Broncos under Nathaniel Hackett. Obviously, that ended well. I don't know whose problem that was. That is a whole big old mess with Russell Wilson over there. Um, you know, not playing quarterback very well, not giving that much money to charity, keeping a lot for himself and his homies. But, hey, we'll let, we'll let that sit there and we'll let everybody convince the world that that's how uh, charities are supposed to work. Um, those are how charities you're supposed to avoid work anyways. So they're hiring Clint Kubiak. He'll have a big role on the staff. Um, Clint, obviously it's the oldest son of Gary Kubiak, who we've known. He was, uh, he was the Texans head coach when Kyle Shanahan was around there. Um, I believe Gary Kubiak worked closely with Kyle's dad, Mike. Um, I want to say he was his offensive coordinator in Denver, right? I, I, that's just purely off the top of my head. Could be completely wrong, um, but we're rolling with it. Um, we'll we'll see. I mean, in the end, the the offensive juggernaut, the offensive, you know, the core of the 49ers' offense is Kyle Shanahan, and everybody loved to say, "Oh, well, is is Kyle Shanahan gonna gonna be as good as he?" As he used to be now that Mike McDaniel left and the 49ers offense looked outstanding this year. It's uh, it's just silly. Kyle Shanahan is the man. Everybody talks about him like that he's the man. Everybody knows he's the man. We need to stop trying to find ways as if 
there's some hidden assistant out there that makes Kyle Shanahan the man. Is the real genius behind the curtain. It's Kyle. We all know it's Kyle, and everybody out there knows he's Kyle. Again, if they had a, if every head coach became a free agent, Kyle Shanahan would be a top three pick. At the absolute latest, a top five pick. Like, there ain't a whole lot more. Any, anyways, y'all, y'all know what I'm saying. Y'all know what I'm saying. Trey Lance did a little interview um, with uh, Quincy Avery, his quarterback coach, which uh, n- didn't necessarily give us anything groundbreaking, I would say. Uh, I know that uh, Coach Avery was going to post the interview on YouTube. It was it was live in that moment, and then he was going to take it and post it on YouTube. When I was doing my digging around, it hadn't been posted on YouTube yet. Um, the couple of the, target, uh, the topics that were making their rounds around social media was Lance talking about the fact that because when Rand Carthon got hired as the Titans GM, uh, Trey Lance threw that up on his Instagram story with a few, like, crossed fingers emojis, and everybody, of course, in I mean, y'all know how social media works. Y'all know how 49ers Twitter works. Everybody immediately took that for, oh, Jerry Lance must be hoping that he gets traded to the Titans. And if you go and look at Lance's Instagram and and the stuff he posts, he uses the, the cross fingers emojis like crazy. And that's not what it meant. And Lance talked about how he had to go into work the next day. And Kyle Shannon was like, hey, man, did you hear that everybody thinks you're going to the Titans? And he was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you posted something and apparently that's how they're taking it. And, uh, you know, Lance said he was close with Rand. He played with his kids and the the cross fingers emoji was just his way of showing support. And I, again, maybe I'm, I'm, it's almost like I'm getting like 49ers news, grumpy, get off my lawn type personality. It's like whenever any of that stuff comes out, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Let me know when something's confirmed. Like, I just give zero traction to stuff like that. It's just, it's impossible for me at this point to give that stuff any, any, like, any run. It's just like, nope, don't, nope, wait till it's, you know. It reminds me of all the, uh, like, the Matthew Stafford time frame before he got with the Rams and he was supposedly almost a done deal with the 49ers. And I just kept saying, no, no, the if if it's not confirmed by Matt Mayoko or um Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport or Matt Barrows or you know even my boy Chris Biederman who's I mean he's kind of transitioning over to Sacramento King stuff, but if it's not confirmed by a dude that's on the ground that you've if, you've gotten 49ers news from before then stop giving it so much run. And this is different. This is Trey Lance's social media, but obviously they laugh that off. Um, He also talked a little bit about the arm fatigue that that was all the rage. What was that, a year ago? I think that was last offseason. And... It it turns out one it was true that that Lance's did suffer I use the word suffer very loosely from arm fatigue but and I think it was uh, Peacock over at Locked On Forty Niners that that kind of that I kind of agreed with Let me see if I can find that too in the way he said this As you can tell I have zero problem like shouting people out like I feel like that's something that doesn't happen enough 
on on Twitter slash social media slash stuff in general is people are way too hesitant to just like throw credit to this person that deserves the credit and stop just stealing people's video. Never mind, whatever. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, okay, here we go. Here's Peacock's tweet that I thought was well said. It was kind of the way I was thinking about it, too. It wasn't so much the reports were wrong about Lance having arm fatigue. It's that it was a non-story build of some huge thing. His arm got tired. He rested. Story over. Trey Lance skips breakfast, gets really hungry at lunchtime. Report, Trey Lance has eating disorder. That's And that's kind of what I thought. Like the, the Trey Lance arm fatigue story was billed as if Lance's arm was not capable of handling the rigors of the NFL life. That's just how it came off. That's how it was talked about. Maybe it was blown up by everybody speaking about it, but it just was brought on to seem like some sort of, like this guy's arm is not good enough to be in the NFL. When in reality, what had happened between practicing for his last season in, the, his last season in college um, everything they did for that season, and even though they only ended up being one game, and then immediately turning it over to draft prep, and then preparing for his rookie season with the 49ers, it turned out that Lance had been throwing the football like three times a week for like a year and a half, which is a lot. That is a lot of using your arm. You have, just like anything, like the gym, like any type of workout, you can't just throw nonstop. You will just literally tear your arm to shreds, uh, you know, and, and everything will start to just come apart. And that's Lance. What Lance was said, he's like, yeah, dude, my arm was getting tired. I'd thrown like nonstop for a year and a half. So I had to take a little bit of a break. And now obviously things are fine. At no point did we ever see Trey Lance throw a football in an NFL game and go, whoa, that ball had no zip on it. So the the problem was that it was it was kind of introduced to us as if Lance's arm was incapable of handling the rigors of NFL life when it was never like that. The dude had just been throwing the ball way too much for too long and just needed a break. And could there have been more to it? Sure. I don't know, but it's just, it was just a little too dramatic the way it was being talked about. And and I think that you guys will probably attest to that. It's just that it was made to made out to be a huge problem. When like Peacock said, it was really just a matter of, you know, just let's just give the dude some rest. He's been throwing the ball a lot. He's he's done enough. He's done enough. Albert Albert Breer had some uh, interesting comments about Lance as well in his most recent kind of like a mailbag that he did for Sports Illustrated. 
Albert Breer was asked, uh, Brock Purdy or Trey Lance, a quarterback for the 49ers week one. And I'm just going to, it's not a long segment. I'm just going to read it for you uh, because I feel like the whole thing kind of comes together. Um, if Brock Purdy hadn't, I'm starting now, if Brock Purdy hadn't hurt his elbow, he'd absolutely be taking the first snaps of OTAs in May and Trey Lance would be fighting an uphill battle to get on the field in 2023. But that's not where we are right now. Purdy will be cleared to play football at best. We talked about that out best in training camp. And that to me opens a great opportunity for Lance. Here's what the Niners were on Lance. Here's where the Niners were last summer on Lance. They knew that in the moment, Jimmy Garoppolo was a better quarterback, but the idea was that by the end of the year with game reps coming through a fire hose, Lance would eventually grow into being the better player and keep climbing from there. My note, that was always what we envisioned them doing with Lance. And everybody who always tried to say that Garoppolo is better than Lance, it was just a silly comment because you're like, yeah, the 49ers aren't hoping Lance is better than Garoppolo right now. They are hoping the ceiling is much higher than what Garoppolo has been giving them, plus the injuries. Back to Breer. Obviously, he went down with a leg injury, so his progress is stuck where it was in Week 2. And Purdy got all those reps and proved himself, and right now is the better option. Is Lance turning the tables while Purdy is recovering from surgery out of the question? No, it is not. Lance is well-liked and works his tail off. He's not as skilled a runner as the Niners had hoped, but he's a big, strong athlete. The question really is whether he can improve as a passer. He's not that natural of a thrower of the ball, but Jalen Hurts wasn't either, and he developed, so it can happen. And if Lance, through his work with his personal coaches, comes back a different quarterback in the spring and lights up OTAs, then I think the Niners would be thrilled. Remember, while the plan for now might be to go with Purdy, getting more out of the quarterback you traded three first-round picks for wouldn't exactly be a bad result for any of the football decision-makers in Santa Clara, so stay tuned. This could get interesting. And that is exactly what, thank you, Breer. That's Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated. Check out his Twitter. Check out his articles. That was what he had to say on the 49ers quarterback situation. And that is almost identical to what we said on here, not patting myself on the back, but it's just, it goes in line with what we were saying last week. There is no bad scenario where Trey Lance playing well, it hurts the 49ers. It gives somebody Brock Purdy for Brock Purdy to legitimately compete against and try and overcome. It gives the 49ers two good options at quarterbacks rather than one. Other teams may hear about how well he's doing and come sniffing and ask what it's going to take the 49ers to give them Lance, who's still on a rookie quarterback contract, which is very, very valuable. But even then, you're just talking about the 49ers. What did we say? That the 49ers now know that they need five good quarterbacks and able to successfully make a Super Bowl run. So right now, they might have two. They might have zero. So nothing is set in stone with the 49ers quarterbacks. They are not in a position to uh, hedge their bets on one or the other. It's just they're not there yet. It's it's an insane picture for the 49ers despite having done so much at the quarterback position, traded for Garofalo, paid Garofalo, traded to traded up to get Lance. Lance gets hurt, but they drafted Purdy, who happens to be good. They've done so much of that position, yet it is still not settled. So any positives that they can get, they should take right now. And that includes Trey Lance, because Lance could be the starter this year. You know, how do we know what is going? We still haven't exactly heard what Purdy's surgery is going to entail. He's not expected to have the surgery for another six days, recording this on the 16th. I believe it's scheduled for the 
22nd. So, like, anybody who's out there that just thinks that Trey Lance, you know, what happens with Trey Lance does not matter when Purdy is about to have a surgery that if he they find more out about this injury could take him out almost the entire season of 2023, uh, yeah, it matters what's happening with Trey Lance. Like, let's just, at the very least, I want to know that the people that are listening to this podcast know that Lance's performance, his improvement, his health, and his success as the 49ers quarterback is extremely important in this entire equation. Yes, if Purdy, uh, his elbow is not as serious, uh, you know, or isn't as serious as a worst-case scenario, and he does get to come back for training camp, um, he immediately holds the edge if he looks anything like what he looked like to close out this season. But there's a lot of butts floating around. I mean, they're all over the place, bumping into us, big butts, little butts. You know, they're all twerking. They're all over the place, floating around like some type of trippy cartoon. There's butts everywhere right now. I like big. Y'all can take the rest of it. So anything the 49ers can get out of Trey Lance in the way of a positive development and his ability to quarterback this offense is a great thing, period, stop. We're moving on. I, I think I think y'all are smart enough to handle that. Um, important off-season dates. Important off-season dates, kind of setting the stage for where we're going from here because kind of the podcast is going to follow these dates. Obviously, we need to talk free agency. We need to talk free agency targets. We need to talk players the 49ers should retain that are headed for free agency. We need to talk positional needs. We need to talk, uh, you know, each individual position and what they can do to reinforcement because I'll, t- I'll talk about this in a little bit. So important dates. The scouting combine is already like a week away. Yes, the, when they're doing the 40s and they're catching the passes and they're running the gauntlets and they're doing all sorts of stuff when the dude's wieners are falling out because they're they're falling over after running the 40, all of that that you've seen before, that's a week away. It's, it's right around the corner, which is just kind of crazy to think about. But, I mean, that really shows you the difference between that's what a postseason run does. Like, it, it, it stretches everything out to where the offseason stuff, I mean, the NFL draft is like two months away, which – I mean, there used to be times where it felt like that thing was just took forever to show up. But now, I mean, it's only two months, a little more than two months out. It just shows you how different a postseason run makes the offseason feel and how much shorter these guys have to prepare. Like, yeah, this is the offseason. Yeah, they've got time to rest. But those deep postseason runs really do have an impact on those teams. It is tough to do that over and over. The 49ers have been pretty consistently doing it. I mean, that's why you you hat tip to teams like the Chiefs, like the Bills, like the Bengals that have just been consistently pushing deep into the postseason when that shit is tough on your body, on your minds, uh, on the entire organization from top to bottom. It's just a tough process. So we are already uh, about one week out from the NFL scouting combine. That's February 28th through March 6th. Then on March 7th is the deadline to franchise tag any players. Uh, We'll have to look through before we get there to see if there's anybody that that makes sense for. Um, We'll take a look at the 49ers list of free agents here in a little bit. Um, March 7th through April 19th are when teams can start conducting uh, NFL draft visits. I got most of these dates from uh, Kyle Madsen on uh, Niners Wire. Put together an article to just really politely 
collected all these dates for us. March 13th through the 15th is the the classic legal tampering period where teams are allowed to tamper with players legally because that sounds like the best way that we could have phrased that with the English language is uh, let's allow everybody to legally tamper with with other human beings. Um, Meaning that they can start negotiating a contract if the team's made it clear that, I mean, obviously the, the team can negotiate a contract with its own players whenever it wants. But starting at that point, legally, teams can start negotiating contracts or agents can start negotiating contracts. Players can start negotiating with other teams in preparation for free agency, but they've been already been doing that. Come on, let's 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 be real here. March 15th, big date, less than a, a month away, technically, of the 2023 year league opens. That's the start of free agency. That's when everything gets crazy. That's when the 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 tidal wave of, of initial signings will be. Um, I'm not exactly sure how active the 49ers are going to be. They've got some contracts that they can restructure to give themselves some more money wiggle room, but it really seems like the 40, most of the 49ers' efforts are going to happen in-house. Very similar to last offseason where their premier signing was cornerback Charvarius Ward. Great signing. Ended up working out pretty well. But that was kind of it. It's not that he's the only player they signed. It's just that that was their obvious and marquee free agent signing. I think that this offseason will be similar, um, if not maybe a bit more docile because they have to re-sign their own players like like Nick Bosa, which is going to break the bank in the best way because it's Nick Bosa. And then um, – April 17th, the off-season programs can start beginning, and that is when Trey Lance can start working his way back into the rotation. Now, I've read that Trey Lance would be good to go in three or four weeks. I've read that Trey Lance will be ready sometime in May. Uh, That May seems way later than what we've been told. I thought the last time we heard from him was three or four weeks, but... May, I mean, May is just, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I, I just, we'll see. People kind of just throw out dates like candy when it comes to players' medical status. And last we heard, it wasn't supposed to be very long, but we'll see on that. All expectations are Trey Lance is fully ready to go for the majority of the offseason program as well as training camp. Okay, so those are all the big, the big offseason dates. Scouting combine late February, franchise tag deadline, visits for draft players March 7th through April 19th, Uh, legal tampering. That's kind of the biggest one is March 13th through 15th, legal tampering, March 15th, new league year, less than a month away. Now, when it comes to the 49ers needs, it's, it's kind of a daunting list. I'm just going to roll you through. All of the names that the 49ers are losing to free agency this year. I don't think I can do them all in one breath. Kind of like that Ace Ventura scene when he's at Ray Finkel's house. And he's like saying the history of Ray Finkel. But I should try, huh? Hold on, let me get a couple rests in here. No, there's no way. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get a lot. All right. 
Jimmy Ward, Jimmy Garoppolo, Stanson Ebukam, Emmanuel Mosley, Mike McGlinchey, Aziz Alshayer, Robbie Gould, Daniel Brunskill, Hassan Ridgeway, Kerry Hyder, Tyler Croft, Josh Johnson, Tashawn Gibson, Maurice Turst, Taylor Tabor Pepper, Ross Dwelly, Jordan Willis, Jake Brandle, Ty McGill, Jordan Matthews, Jason Brett, Kevin Givens, Demetrius Flanagan Foles, Colton McKivitz, Tavarius Moore, Juwan Jennings, Charles Obedahu, and Dante Johnson. I did it. But probably should have read it with a little bit more care. But I mean, you saw the names on there. Jimmy Ward, an absolutely massive part of this team's defense, of this team's straight-up identity. Kyle Shanahan once said if he could wear a player's jersey, it would be Jimmy Ward. This season was a little weird for Jimmy Ward. Tashawn Gibson was playing well. They liked the pairing of him with Talanoa Hufunga. Jimmy Ward kind of brought that on with an injury. And when he asked to go back to safety, Kyle Shanahan was like, sure, if you want to ride the bench, like saying, we're not going to replace either of those two guys for you. That's why Jimmy Ward ended up stepping in at nickel, where they were a little more undecided. But Jimmy Ward needs to go back to playing safety, and I think he should do it with the 49ers. Are those two going to be able to work out a deal? I don't know. But you've got Jimmy Ward. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, we know those two are parting ways. Sam Sunebukam. Nick Bosa's running mate on the other side of the defensive line. Didn't probably quite have the impact that the 49ers were hoping you would, but solid nonetheless, an impact player. Emmanuel Mosley, yes, uh, suffered a season-ending injury, but, I mean, that is somebody the 49ers would love to re-sign. One, they're going to get it a little bit of a discount because of that injury. But between him and Ward, I mean, if Mosley would have stayed healthy, that would have completely changed the trajectory of this 49ers defense, which was already riding sky high. So that's kind of a scary thought. You've got Mike McGlinchey, the 49ers starting right tackle. No matter what you think of him, that man played 95% of the 49ers snaps on offense. So it's like, that is a massive void. You've got Robbie Gould, their Hall of Fame kicker. Seems like somebody you might want to keep around. He just happens to have never missed a kick in the playoffs. Um, some of the other names on here, Tashawn Gibson, who played 97% of the snaps for this season, uh, is he's headed for the door. The 49ers love what he brought to the table. Uh, Tabor Pepper, their long snapper, probably somebody they're going to keep around. I don't see why you would uh, let that go. Jake Brendel, their starting center, played 98% of the snaps. There, there are a lot of players on this list that play significant roles for this team that are all of a sudden headed out the door. Juwan Jennings is an um, exclusive rights free agent, so the 49ers, he, they're not losing him. Charles O'Menohue had a huge uh, impact on, only played 53% of the snaps, but we saw him have a, a significant impact on this 49ers team. So a large list of players that's has quite a few impact or heavy rotational players. Daniel Brunskill's on that list. He ended up basically rotating with um, not Aaron Banks. I'm just blanking. The 49ers starting right guard that your boy can't just automatically. Spencer Burford, excuse me. I know you guys are on the other end of the speaker just yelling at it right now. Just Spencer Burford. I'm sorry. So, and he was rotating heavily with Burford, and he was the guy that basically the 49ers knew if any of those interior three went down, they would immediately be able to get those guys, get him in there and, and really not suffer too big of a loss. So, 
Um, there's a lot of names on here, and the 49ers don't have that much co- uh, cap space. They only have, uh, let's see, $8 million in cap space with a Nick Bosa extension coming and trying to build out a roster. If I go to cap space on here, I'm on overthecap.com. The 49ers, man, this is wild. The Buccaneers are $55 million over the cap. Saints, 55. Vikings, 23. Jaguars, 22. Titans, 21. Chargers, 20. Bills, 16. The 49ers, $8 million in salary cap space makes them 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 16th in the league. That's kind of wild. There's only two teams below them that are not in the red. So the 49ers don't have a ton of cap room. They're losing a lot of key players. They have a lot of players that are coming up that they need to start to think about re-signing, like a Nick Bosa, um, possibly Brandon Ayuk. I don't think they're going to want to necessarily sign Brandon Ayuk this year, especially because he's got a fifth-year option. Um, you know, they can they can wiggle with that a little bit more than they probably care to with Nick Bosa. So there's a lot going on. I mean, when I was taking notes on what the 49ers' positional needs were, I I ended up falling on the fact that they have it's easier to say what positions they don't have needs. They're pretty solid at wide receiver, although they might need to start getting some younger guys in there that they feel like can compete for those those rotational roles, like uh, Danny Gray, I guess. Uh, Linebacker is somewhat settled, and then almost every other position has a reason to invest in it for the 49ers. I mean, let's just look at this. You've got the offensive line. Uh, Jake Brendel is scheduled to be a free agent. I think the 49ers bring him back because he was he was decent. He was decent. Um, their their starting right tackle is is headed for free agency unless they try to bring him back, which I'm not sure they'll do. I think that the contract he's projected to get um, would would far exceed what the 49ers were willing to pay. Uh, tight end behind George Kittle, you've got basically Charlie Warner, and that's it. And so that. I mean, we're just working our way through in here. The offensive line, there's reason to upgrade. Tight end, there's reason to upgrade. Uh, running back, you've got Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, but Elijah Mitchell gets hit a lot. You've got gets hurt a lot. You don't want Christian McCaffrey just being necessarily swamped with every single carry possible. Ty- Tyrion Davis Price, third round pick. Jordan Mason, an encouraging uh, undrafted free agent guy. So maybe the 49ers are finally in a position where they don't have to. Poor assets at the throw throw darts at a at a at a board blindfolded, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were still looking at that position because again Elijah Mitchell, obviously very solid. I don't know how many times I've said obviously in the last two minutes, but he's he, he's had trouble staying healthy. Jordan Mason, maybe he starts to creep his way into that running back two mix. You would think Tyrion Davis Price would be given he's a third round pick, but they keep finding a reason to make him inactive. Fullback, Kyle Juszczyk's got it under control. Quarterback, even quarterback. You have Brock Purdy and Trey Lance, both of which recovering from injuries. Uh, you got to bring some type of veteran free agent in there, somebody that they could fall back on, not named Josh Johnson or Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, defensive end, opposite Nick Bosa. Are you letting Samson Ebicom go? Uh, you've got Drake Jackson, who J- Jackson, who's coming into his, his second year. Uh, the team I wasn't necessarily... Okay, hopefully this just kept recording. For a very brief second, Zencaster told me it lost connection, but I think we're okay. I'm just going to keep going. The team basically said that Drake Jackson hadn't built up the stamina, the 
the the strength to finish the season. So he started being inactive later in the in in the year. You know, that's not something you necessarily want to hear. So I could see them going, you know, edge rusher. Uh, linebacker, they're pretty good. Aziz Alshair's headed for free agency, though. So it's Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, and um, you've got Demetrius Flanagan Foles back there. The 49ers brought back uh, McCray Ball. Um, you know, is are either of them going to be capable of of replacing Alshair? Another position you could invest in. Um, you've got Diamondor Lenore and Charvarius Ward. You know, Avery Thomas kind of floating back there. Uh, are they going to? Resign Emmanuel Mosley, another position that they can invest in. Jimmy Ward, safety, headed for free agency. Sean Gibson, headed for free agency, another position that they could invest in. Like, so I mean, most of the positions on defense and on offense for the 49ers could use some help. So, I mean, that could be something they tag the majority of that with the draft. They're supposed to have a ton of picks. Um, courtesy of KP over at Niners Nation, the 49ers are projected to have 11 picks, but this uh, chart does not include the third rounder that they're going to be given for the fact that D'Amico Ryans became the Texans head coach. You've got a third rounder for Robert Sala slash Martin Mayhew. You've got a third rounder for Mike McDaniel. You've got a third rounder for Rand Carthon becoming the GM at the Titans. And then you should have another third rounder in there for D'Amico Ryans. Then you've got a fifth rounder. Then you've got a fifth rounder from the Jeff Wilson trade. You've got a projected Fifth rounder for DJ Jones signing with the Broncos, compensatory pick. Sixth, sixth rounder for Arden Key signing with the Jaguars, their own seventh rounder. Seventh rounder for Raheem Mostert signing with the Dolphins. Seventh rounder for Kwan Williams signing with the Broncos. Seventh rounder for Jonas Griffith trade to the Broncos. Like, dude, <laughs> they got a lot of picks, so they'll be able to add some quality depth there. But, I mean, none of them, you don't have any picks in the first and second round. So we'll see. Uh, you know, one thing that might actually this might be the there might be one last third round pick on here because they traded it to the Carolina Panthers. No, that's their own. So these there the uh, the compensatory pick should still be there. I just don't think it was added yet because this article was January eighteenth. So, anyways, I'm kind of rambling on right now, but. There are a lot of moving parts for the 49ers this offseason. They are losing a lot of players. Um, their roster is still in great shape, but it's starting to um, show a little leak, leaks here and there they're, that they're going to have to plug up. Again, we just talked about it. They're losing players all over the roster. They, could, they can sign free agents at any position, and it'd be a wise investment. So while I don't expect them to be that active, I do expect them to, to try and bolster their depth I do expect him to supplement that with the draft. Um, a lot of undrafted free agents, and we'll see because they're kind of in a tough spot. They don't have a lot of money. They've got premium players that they need to think about re-signing, and they've got a lot of people headed out. So 49ers in a tough spot. So that's kind of setting the stage for what we're going to be doing moving forward. Uh, next week, maybe I'll plan on um, talking through the 49ers that are leaving that the team should absolutely keep around. Um, talking about the players that they might keep around, talking about other free agents out there. The 49ers might want to think about bringing in. That one's a little tar- harder because I, I like to do my homework. I like to know what the other players, what these players are capable of. But we'll take a look around and see what we can dig up as we creep closer to free agency. But anyways, I think that's enough for today. I think, you know, another solid 40-minute pod. I made sure that I didn't talk about the fact that it could be a brief pod because it wasn't brief. 40 minutes ain't brief. So I would have made myself full of shit again. But 
as always, I appreciate everybody. Every single one of those ears that's listening right now, I appreciate you for being a part of Striking Gold, for supporting this podcast. Make sure you're jumping on uh, whatever app you listen on. Leave us a positive review with with just with just glowing stars and and emojis and I don't know what you can do in these reviews nowadays, but just that's that's one way to support us. But in the end, the ultimate form of support is just listening, listening, being here. Um, maybe we'll do as we get closer to free agency. Maybe we'll do some type of mailbag, get you guys back in here, get you involved. I know everybody misses the takeaways. I do too. Um, nope, you're not allowed to do super long takeaways. Thank you, Omar. Anyways, I'm just rambling. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. But um, as always, all good things must must come to an end for this week. We'll be back on here next week talking talking 49ers. Um, but you know what it is. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out.